Sego and welcome to Resistance Radio. I'm John Kane. I am your host, and I kind of got a little bit of a hot one today. So, um, look, and, I, and I'm hoping that Reggie's going to help me out here a little bit <laughs> because I will encourage whatever bad behavior you're about to espouse. <laughs> because here's the thing: <laughs> I am a firm believer that um, that people of color cannot be racist. And, and, and it has to do with the definition of racism. Racism is about power. It's about viewing your race as superior, genetically superior, superior by virtue of race. And while there may be racial bias that people have, uh, um, and, and frankly, some of that bias is, is justified. It's justified because of things like mistreatment for four or five centuries and, and that kind of thing. However, there is an opportunity for, for people of color to still embrace white supremacy. So, all right, I know you're, you're probably thinking, okay, wait, what, what does that mean? Look, one of the things that I find the most frustrating is when you see people of color, and, and this could be native people, it could be black people, it could be you know people uh, who have been marginalized in any way, shape, or form, including you know this could even be amongst the LGBT you know population. Uh, happy Pride Month, by the way. Um, where they seem to advocate all things against their own people, or they don't recognize bigotry unless it's them, unless it's their specific group. You look. We're only a couple of weeks out of um, the tragedy that struck Buffalo. And Buffalo is only 30 miles away from where I live here, folks. I'm, you know, I do this show from the Cattaraugus Territory, the Seneca Nation. And, you know, Buffalo is, is the city that's right, right next, next door. I mean, the guy who drove to Buffalo to do this essentially could have driven right by here, you know, for all intents and purposes. I mean, I, I don't know that he has or did or didn't, but he, he could have. It, we're, we're kind of on the way. And I recognize that tragedy for what it was. Not just, not just the most overt and violent type of racism that, that, you know, that we can experience and, and, and see, but, and not, not just an attack on black people. I, I saw that as an attack on, on anybody who's marginalized because this guy who was, who was a white supremacist did not really have power. I mean, he had a gun. He, he wasn't in a position of power. He just empowered himself with the, you know, with the tool to kill people. That doesn't demonstrate power, systemic power, systemic racism. I mean, what, what may have uh, turned this guy into this hateful, violent racist might have been the system, but he himself was not protected, or doesn't appear to be, although he was taken into, into custody without much harm, it seems. Um, he himself is not a demonstration of systemic racism. A product of it, yes, but not a demonstration of it. So I'm bringing all this up because, as many of you know, I have called what the governor of the state of New York did to the Senecas over revenue-sharing payments that they claimed they were due. Um, the fact that, that this governor, this unelected governor, Kathy Hochul, seized the accounts, froze the accounts of the Seneca Nation. Now, and I don't want to say Seneca Nation. This isn't a company. This isn't in a corporation. These, these are people, 8,000 Seneca people who live primarily in their homelands, but some live in the, in the cities in Buffalo, maybe, maybe even shopped at that Tops on Jefferson Ave in Buffalo. But most of the, the Seneca people live on two of the Seneca territories, Allegheny and Cattaraugus. And I, I, I live on the Cattaraugus territory. I'm not Seneca, but I live on Cattaraugus. 8,000 Senecas had their livelihoods impacted. Now, sure, she froze those accounts to extort a half a billion dollars out of the Senecas on a payment that the Senecas, in all likelihood, knew that they probably were going to be forced to pay or was going to have the, that account seized simply because of the, of the racist system that, that allows the state to have 
this incredible amount of power over, over Seneca Gaming. So anyway, um, she, she does this, and it not only impacts 8,000 Senecas, it impacts probably four or 5,000 um, employees, who may, who, who, most of whom are, are not Senecas. So this was a demonstration of power of the system that empowers that system, controlled primarily by white people, to squeeze and oppress people. So I called what Kathy Hochul did an overtly racist act. And of course, that overtly racist act would be tremendously overshadowed by the actions of some meaningless youngster with a gun um, by going to Buffalo and shooting up, uh, shooting up people just sh grocery shopping. And I'm not trying to, again, I, I get into this, this debate over things like, what do they call it, uh, um, uh, oppression Olympics. I'm, I'm, not I'm not trying even trying to compare the, you know, the atrocities. But what I'm saying is that what Kathy Hochul did with her power, the power of that office, which is almost always, uh, you know, controlled by white, well, it's always controlled by white people. But it's almost always, with one exception, David Patterson, who wasn't elected either, um, has always been a, a white person. So she does this thing. Now, part of what she did was, was she actually sealed the fate of what the next Seneca State Gaming Compact is going to look like. Because the Senecas are pretty much are resigned to enter into negotiations for their new compact without any revenue sharing. You know, the, the claim that New York State is offering, you know, some sort of exclusivity is, you know, is kind of, you know, being, being that's being dismissed out of hand by the Senecas. Finally, they're finally realizing, you know, that, that there was no benefit to what, what the state is offering. So they're not going to negotiate a revenue sharing, and there's no requirement to. So here's what happened a little over a week ago. A group of Seneca counselors, including you know one who's a, who's a friend of mine, who has really been among the most outspoken um, relating to even paying the state anything. Um, this this individual, um, he's my he's my friend Ross John, who's on council, um, along with several other counselors, went to Albany, and the reason they went to Albany was to was to meet with legislators, both parties, and and pretty much, I don't know, I'd say maybe grease the skids a little bit or, or let them know that this, you know, um, compact negotiation is probably going to be a little contentious because the state's going to still want money and they're entitled to none. And so, you know, the, the way this whole thing with revenue sharing has been framed is it's what this, it's the cost of doing business for, for a native gaming interest. They have to pay the state to bring them to the table. I, I mean, there's no, I mean, it's not written in the law that way, but it's from a practicality standpoint, what all of their consultants and their lawyers and their lobbyists say, well, you know, if you offer the state this, this, and this, they'll be more willing to negotiate a compact. You know what? Who the hell cares if they're willing? They're bound by law to do it. And I think that's where the Seneca Nation finally is at. And Hochul's racist act of squeezing them the way that she did. And, and, I'm, and I'm even going to offer some, some possible alternatives to what, what transpired there, but, uh, but I'll, I'll get to that. But what she did was she, she sealed the fate of any, um, of the Senate Nation ever wanting to put, put themselves in a situation where the state could, you know, could freeze their, their, uh, their assets. If they don't owe the state, if they clearly don't have any agreement that ever um, amounts to a a perceived debt by the state, then they never have, to never have to worry about this again. So, so that's what they went to Albany for. And they met with, again, uh, legislators of both parties. Well, the most contentious meeting was with the uh, assembly majority leader, a, a woman from Buffalo. Uh, her name is Crystal Peoples Stokes. And she's, you know, she's risen to power within the Democratic Party and is one of the, you know, one of the more formidable uh, figures in New York state politics. And she was rude right from the start. You know, she almost, she essentially threw them out of her office. But when, when Ross and others mentioned that racism was at play with the, with the relationship between the Senecas and the state, 
and, and I'm going to say this, and you know, look, I don't know how, maybe everybody's going to be okay with this, but I'm not. What Crystal People Stokes is, how dare you bring up racism after what happened to my people? <laughs> I mean, first off, <laughs> let's be clear. Crystal People Stokes, your people are Democrats. And, you know, for all intents and purpose, purposes, your people should be just Americans. So your people, you want to all of a sudden, what, pretend you're only black and that all of the white people who voted for you and, and all of the people that you represent in your district, that, that, this, that this heinous act, you are going to use that as a reason to dismiss any other form of racism or demonstration of racism? So what did she say again, John? Please <laughs> she, clarify, she said, because I'm a little confused here. She said, don't you dare, or how dare you bring up racism after what happened to my people in Buffalo? And who's her people? Well, apparently she's talking about the, the, those, the black folks that got shot, uh, shot up uh, in the Tops market. But, you know, but her people, I mean, I don't know, those people may not have been Democrats. <laughs> and you know what? There could have been Native people in that store as well, for all I know. I mean, but it, it was a black neighborhood. True. There's no question that that moron who went there was an overt racist who was hell-bent on, no on going after black people. And so I'm not diminishing that. No I'm question. not taking anything away from the overt mm -mm. atrocity that was committed in Buffalo. I'm not trying to compare the two. What I'm saying is that as far as demonstrating white supremacy and white privilege, Kathy Hochul, not only did she, I mean, just to show how much white privilege she has, even black folks like, like Crystal People Stokes supports her. And she was pissed. She told the Seneca, that Seneca delegation that she was pissed because of how this whole thing played out in the press. She goes, oh, your Seneca president said that he was going to make those payments and then changed his mind. Hey, you know what? I think, um, I, I think, there's been a changing of their mind over things like Roe v. Wade. I think there's been a changing of the mind over things like an assault weapons ban. And, and those are all your people, Crystal People Stokes. I don't care what party they are. That's your America. That's your America that's, that's, that's changing their minds. And however that process is, that's the system that, that, that's the system that got you. That's what brung you. That's what's got you there. So... When I see somebody like Crystal People Stokes, this prominent black woman from Western New York, from Buffalo, who would, I mean, what I want to say is, how dare you bring up that atrocity as a means to dismiss what the Senecas have experienced for hundreds of years with New York State? I mean, I mean to, to say, to, almost to suggest that if you're not killing us, then what? It doesn't qualify as racism. <laughs> I mean, she was uh, she was not only uh, and, and she wasn't wow. just pissed about the the fact that the Seneca's the Seneca president had once said that he was going to make these payments, and then the Seneca people said, "No, wait, no, you're not." So you know what? He actually responded to his people. I mean, I'm not saying he was crazy about it, but he responded to his people and said, "All right, well, we're going to hold this up. We're going to hold this up and and wait for some determination from the feds before we make the payments." And that pissed off Crystal People Stokes. And, of course, Kathy Hochul. The, it, it pissed off that whole Democratic establishment because they had a scheme. And their scheme also involved taking that money. They didn't tell anybody up front. Taking that money and dumping it into a, bill, new, a brand new Buffalo Bill Stadium. Huh. Now, here's the crazy part. And, and this is the, the alternative universe that I was, you know, uh, that I, I don't think anybody even entertained. Nobody once suggested to the, to the Senecas, hey, you know what? We got this dispute over half a billion dollars. How about you make, and out of that half a billion dollars, 25% goes back to what they, what they call the host community, City of Salamanca, which is on Seneca land, uh, Buffalo, which ha houses one of the uh, Buffalo Creek Casino, and then Niagara Falls, which has the Seneca Niagara Casino. Some, so 25% of that Almost six hundred million, but over over half a billion dollars was going to go back would go back to those host communities. How about you make that that payment, but the rest of what we feel that you owe, you invest it in the in the uh, Bill Stadium. How about you become a stakeholder instead of you just giving us the money the, uh, along with the other 
billion and a half dollars you've given us that you have nothing to show for? How about we both get what we want? And you know what? Because you would be doing it, we're not going to get any pressure downstate when they say, oh, you just took uh, you know, almost half a billion dollars out of the Seneca money that was going to the state, and you, you rededicated it towards the, towards the Bills Stadium. That's what Hochul and, and, and Stokes got beat up over. They got beat up uh, downstate because they took that money from the Senecas and then didn't put it in the state coffers. Instead, they said they rededicated it to a, to a Bills Stadium. And as you recall... Where does the where do the New York Giants and the New York Jets play football again? <laughs> where's uh, where's that billion dollar multi billion dollar stadium that houses the New York City football teams? Uh, they both reside in the great state of uh, New Jersey. Oh, oh, I, I, oh. So wait a minute. You mean the people downstate didn't want for this these two big, I mean, huge market football teams? weren't prepared to put up a couple of billion dollars to help uh, to help these football teams have uh, have a brand new stadium to play in? Uh, look like uh, the answer is no. Yeah, the answer was uh, was a strong no. I mean, there's even a lot of debates on whether you know whether they should legitimately be able to call themselves New York Giants and New York Jets, which you know the only New York team is uh, is is plays in Buffalo, and and what and this is the crazy part is. What Hochul was actually telling people is that they were they were being held hostage by the owners of the Buffalo Bills because they were gonna they were threatening to move the team. Nobody was gonna move that damn team. I mean, I mean, and it certainly wasn't gonna happen, uh, you know, anytime soon. So the idea and 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 the team is owned by billionaires who and these this Terry and Kim Pagula they've made billions out of um, out of the hydro fracking industry, oil and gas. And they own, not only do they own the, the Buffalo Bills, they own the, the Buffalo Sabres hockey team and the Buffalo Bandits lacrosse team. So these guys are, and the crazy part is, the, the little bit that they're going to invest, and they're gonna, I think they're going to put a couple hundred million dollars into this thing, but they're going to sell tickets, uh, uh, seats in advance, and they're going to be made whole almost immediately. And what Kathy Hochul says, well, in about 30 years, or 25 or 30 years, the, the state will have gotten its money back that they uh, that that she robbed from the Senecas and then gave they gave to this uh, to these billionaires to build a football stadium, but Crystal People Stokes was pissed because not only did the Senecas hold back on that payment, but then they had the gall, they had the nerve to jump on the criticism about taking their money and dedicating it towards the Bill Stadium and never even offering. I mean, there was never even a a conversation. Well, maybe we can work this thing out. Because you know what, the Senecas probably might have done it, and and in fact, I I won't I can't predict that they would have, but there's a good chance that if they could have be- become a some sort of a, some sort of a shareholder or stakeholder in a brand new stadium for the Buffalo Bills, which is a which is a team on the rise. I mean, I'm I'm not a you know I'm not gonna pretend I'm a I'm a huge football fan. I I kind of lost that after the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, but. Uh, but there's no question the Buffalo Bills is is a very competitive team, and some predict that they could hit, you know, go to a Super Bowl. But you know what? They're building this stadium, and the Senecas got fleeced for you know for half a billion dollars, and I think 460 million of the money uh, of the money that Hochul squeezed out of the Senecas is going to go to this thing. And Stokes was so pissed off that she was rude to this delegation of Senecas. Right from the start. And this is what I'm talking about. When I say I get irked by people of color, and, and not just black people, but, but it's easy to cite some black people who are mm-hmm. so much in support of the system. Look, who did John Lewis endorse for the, uh, for the Democratic nomination of, of, of the presidency? Uh, was it John? Uh, I'm sorry, was it Biden? Yes, it was Joe wasn't Biden. Wasn't it Biden? Yeah, it oh, wasn't the guy who marched along with black people during the civil rights movement. It wasn't Bernie yeah, Sanders. that would be Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't going to endorse. No, he forgot all about that. He brings up the, you know, uh, Birmingham and the bridge and the beating and all that stuff, uh, but, he, but he never brings up the fact that, yeah, you know, you, ha- you had some white allies then. Instead, you endorsed the guy who made a mockery out of Anita Hill in the Clarence Thomas uh, confirmation hearings. I know I'm bringing an awful lot of stuff in. You know, what what... What is this guy? 
What is this native guy sitting up on a reservation in Western New York? Uh, why does he bring up all this history that, that is so painful for us all? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? When I, when I see these guys who just totally jump in to this, you know, these systems that are just so embedded with racism, so embedded with, with this, this history of, um, of, of oppression of people of color, I find it very, very frustrating. So look, I don't care. You know, Crystal People Stokes, you want to sue me for slander or whatever? I didn't say anything. If I got that quote, if I paraphrased that a little bit wrong, then so be it. But how dare you dismiss what the Senecas, what the treatment of the Senecas has been by New York State, including folks like yourself, dismiss that as racism and cite this, this atrocity that happened in the Topps market. You weren't shopping in that Topps market. You know, and uh, so I, I get frustrated. I mean, because, you know, there isn't a strong effort by anybody to change this thing. Uh, you know, I did my la last week's show, I talked, um, I talked about, Reggie, are you familiar with, the, with a short story called The Lottery? I am aware of that, pro of, of the sh short story. Okay, so the lottery was written back in 1948. At least that's when it was first published. And, and it was about this small town that um, once a year does the lottery, a lottery, and the, the person who is selected gets, ultimately, you don't know it till, till you get to the end of the story, but it's a short story. Um, and you learn that the, that the winner gets stoned to death. And as much as there's been you know, an effort for, for years. And in fact, other towns who were doing it had stopped, stopped doing it. But they kept doing it. They kept doing this, um, this lottery. And, you know, even though some people criticized it, obviously the people who won criticized it until they couldn't. But you know what? I look at the lack of any real effort to change gun laws as complicity to the status quo. You know, when I see... You know, and, and when I see complicity in racism and in and injustice, look, Martin Luther King, he, he was he was among many of the folks who said, you know, it's it's not the folks that you're that your enemies that are necessarily the problem. It's 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 your friends who do nothing, who stand silently by while the atrocities continue. Look, we, I feel like we're all playing in this lottery unwittingly. Because we don't know. We can go to a grocery store. We, we can go to the third grade, <laughs> fourth grade. We can go to a movie theater. We can go to a park. We can go to a club. We can go to a church. We can go to a synagogue. We can go to the hospital and get shot up by a mass shooter. I mean, and there's nothing that anybody's going to do to change any of it? I mean, they're going to talk about gun control for a little bit. Year. I mean, they, they do it every time. Every, every time some children get murdered. And you know what? <laughs> the atrocity that took place in, uh, in, in Texas is already, you know, taking the atrocity that, that took place in Buffalo out of the headlines. Of course, mm -hmm. so did Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I mean. <laughs> oh, yes. The <laughs> most know? important story in the world right yeah. now. Yeah. Ugh. But to follow up what you're saying, um, John, is that we're at a point right now where you're going to hear a lot of thoughts and prayers. You're going to hear a lot of nice talk about change and we got to do better. But it always comes from the people who have the opportunity to make that change happen. And as if the powers that be who happen to be them don't ever do it. It is always this mysterious other that won't allow them to do, or, or, or at the very least, make the effort, make the consorted effort, the conscious effort of making change happen. You know, so it's always point, and, 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 and that thing that you was just talking about, uh, you know, prior to what you, you were saying before, <laughs> you know, that statement, just a combination of conformity, and also what is more American than, than um, marginalizing another marginalized group? <laughs> you know, it's that it seems that, that that is your rite of passage. And somehow you can't be any more American 
than crapping on another group of people. Well, and, and, and I, those people that she wants to claim are her people? Uh-huh. Those people that she's, after what happened to my people, her people didn't, weren't supportive of what the, what Hochul did to the Senecas. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or, you know that, that it was okay. I mean, they may have been apathetic to it. Why? Because we won't identify what, it, what racism actually looks like. Until it's a guy with a gun or a guy in a white, white hood, we won't recognize, we, we're going to pretend that the rest is okay. I mean, and look, to a certain extent, look, we have to decide, are we going to just claim not to be racist or are we going to be anti-racist? And this is, you know, this is that debate that goes on, right? Right, so, right. What, at what level do you tolerate love, uh, racism and, and by tolerating it, become pl- complicit in it? And then when you draw that, and, and that line could be a moving, a moving line. Oh, sure, we know that when you, when a, you know, a, a white boy grabs a, an AR-15 and, and goes and shoots up a black neighborhood and posts it all over the internet, what, what he was doing, we, that's easy to identify. But we still have a debate over whether white kids claiming to be Indians in school as a mascot is racist or not. We can't, how can we still have that discussion? How can we still have a discussion about what is considered critical race theory and never once in all of the, the conversations, except for the ones that I have, does anybody ever say, you know, Native people have some of the most overt examples of critical race theory, and that being the intersection of racism and law, including, in, including the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act including the law, the Civilization Act that created the, the funding and the uh, approval for, for residential schools. These weren't just laws that were passed that were interpreted through policy to, be, uh, to have racism embedded in it. No, it was written into the law. They, they specifically cited us. So if we are not ever going to identify what racism is, then how do you, how do you begin to, to tackle racism? I mean, well, I don't get it. I, I don't know how you, how can you get there if you, if you are only going to, gonna, on these extremes, say, okay, that, that's racism. I recognize that as racism. And you know what? Everybody supported that community uh, on, on Jefferson Ave in, uh, in Buffalo. I mean, every, you know, look, the president flew in. I mean, the, the whole Bill's mm-hmm. organization and the, and the you know the didn't pro, they do the, a food drive there? Oh, as they well? were yeah, they were doing you know <laughs> soup kitchens. They were I mean there there are people that have there's been a tremendous amount of support even in Uvalde, Texas. I mean, uh, even though it was primarily Mexican Americans that were mm-hmm. that, that were killed in that in that school, it's there's been there was no lack of diversity in the in the outpouring of concern and love and um, and of course thoughts and prayers. Uh, <laughs> For, 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 the, for the victims and the families of those victims. But you know what? There wasn't an outpouring of support when, when Kathy Hochul uh, committed extortion against the Senecas. And, and why? And, and the reason is simple. Because we won't recognize it. We won't recognize it for what it is. And until we do that, you know, until we do that, we, we just simply can't, we can't really adequately address racism. Well, I agree 1000%, John. And I think that we always, we, you know, the, the collective we would like to, or the established we would like to talk about the overt stuff. Yeah, it's obvious. Everything that you pointed out, all the things, all the bad things in the world, but we don't talk about the everyday things, the nuanced things that makes solidify the racism even more so. Um, it, it, we always like to talk about the, the, the and rightfully so, the, 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 the outrageous acts of performance of racism, but never the nuance, the everyday thing that happens, how you talk to people, how you look at people, how you suspect people based on what they look like or, or how they sound, or you weigh their intelligence based on how they speak because of what they look like. 
all those things. Well, and, and, and we are not serious. Well, and, and the thing is that you you accept that that the system is somehow right. So when the system right. involves oppression of black people or native people or his, uh, Hispanic people or, or you know people you know of, of Asian ancestry or, or whatever, you think okay. Yeah, I, I can get that. I, I understand that. There's, there's a reason for that, and it's somehow justifiable. But, you know, and, and here's the thing about Native people. We didn't come here willingly to be a part of America. We didn't give up something. We, we didn't give ourselves to the United States. We got surrounded. We were 100% of the population before white people showed up. Now we're less than 1%. That's not just erasure, that's extermination. You know, they, and they threw words around like depopulation. No, why use depopulation? <laughs> you know, why don't you just call it killing people? And, and then it gets worse because then the people who replace us in many ways want to claim us. Again, the, the, two, the, 20, two, the 2020 census suggested that there was an 87% increase in the native population in the United States. And of course, that is absurd. It is impossible. The reason that number increased so much is that you got more and more white people say, oh yeah, I'm Native American. Why? Because they think there's something in it for them. They get to speak, you know, you know they're not just going to get lumped into this, this general white category until they're not going to lose any of their white privilege, mind you. <laughs> No, but they're gonna they're gonna claim their their grandmother was a Cherokee princess, which waters us down. No, no, it, it it erases us even more. It adds insult to the injury, you know. So this is what we experience with, you know, with mascots. It's what we experience with. <laughs> hey, I'm not a Johnny Depp fan. I'm still pissed about the role he played as Tonto in the Lone Ranger. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, that that was pretty bad. That was I mean, really bad. I mean, it was really bad. I should have sued him for libel. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, I mean, no, I mean, the way that we are portrayed, the way our images have been hijacked by others for, basically for the entertainment of white people. So whether it's mascots or whether it's, you know, Hollywood or, or whatever else. And then the assumptions that are made about us, you know, that we're primitive, that we're warlike, that we're fierce and that we're bloodthirsty and, you know, and, and all of that stuff. And then, then to be judged, oh, um, you don't look Indian to me. <laughs> well, that didn't, I didn't know that you were the standard bearer for what is looking Indian enough. This is what we encounter all the time. So, I mean, we experience racism every single day. Every, my children did. My grandchildren do. They still experience it every And nobody's going to talk about it unless somebody comes in and shoots them with an AR-15. I mean, at some point, we have to, we have to do more. Mm. And look, I know all these schools have things mm. like um, diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. And you know what? Most of them are bunk. I mean, they really are. And you know what? And I also i have heard a lot of people in Buffalo talking about, well, we need to teach more history. You know what? what? Native people, there's no such thing as teaching Native history. You know what, Native, we are a period that came before discovery, as far as history goes. We're, nobody wants us to discuss Native history. They just want to discuss us as a point in time that came and went. So you're going to tell a story, not history, but a story about what, uh, what Native people were at one time. And that's what, these, that's what every child is taught in school, if, they, if they're taught that. They're never taught about residential schools. They're never taught about how our people were coerced into code talking for the military after they tried to destroy our language, then they militarized it. They're not going to talk about, you know, the, the idea that there were bounties paid for our scalps. I mean, I, I told you, the, I don't know, I told you that if somebody threatened, uh, you know, on Facebook about wanting to scalp me, and uh, when it was reported to Facebook, Facebook said, yeah, we don't think that violates our community standards. Right. So, <laughs> so if you threaten to scalp a native person, oh no, scalping—that's that's just a haircut. Is it? Well, it's murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, that 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 goes um, uh, in relation to my experience online, and I've mentioned that um, that horrific shooting in Buffalo that is still in circulation on social media. Yeah. So the thing is, for you know, you talking about the community standards of social media, so the killing, the massacring of non-white people, that doesn't violate community standards. And that's not just one platform. They're practically all of the platforms that allow it. And and just to add on to what you were saying, John, I was banned on Facebook for a month a couple of years ago when I happened to post up a story now, a story that has already been established, all right, from an established news institution talking about Colin Kaepernick over at Alcatraz Island and was his solidarity to say, pretty much, we need to learn the real history of what Thanksgiving is or so-called Thanksgiving. And someone marked that story that I posted up on Facebook as hate speech, as hate speech. And, 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 While, and to clarify, <laughs> Kaepernick had gone, was commemorating the native takeover of Alcatraz. Yes. Doing the sunrise yes, ceremony. Yes, yes, yes. So that's what, that's what he was there for, and so that's what he was talking about. You know, it, well, here's another crazy one. Um, the, the line in the Declaration of Independence that refers to native people as merciless Indian savages, that got reported, and, and Facebook took it down. So can you imagine that? A foundational document of the United States was taken down as hate speech. And then once they realized, oh, wait a minute, that's the Declaration of Independence, then they allowed it again. So <laughs> even though they, their algorithm picked oh, up Lord. merciless Indian savages as hate speech, mm -hmm. yeah, but it's in the Constitution. You know, so, yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, but it's, it's in the Bible, so we can put it, we can put it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. No, you're, this, is the, this is the part that, that infuriates me, really is that we will not address racism that leads to the overt racism that could generate you know, a, right. a, a, a shooter, a mass shooter. We're not going to address the fact that, you know, that, that that doesn't... Somebody doesn't just wake up one morning and say, you know, I'm going to go to Buffalo and kill black people. No, there was some conditioning that went there. You don't just wake up radicalized one morning. This isn't something you're, you're not genetically predisposed to be uh, a racist. I mean, there may be a long line of it in your, in your, his, in your family history, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that is a learned um, emotion. That, is, that is a learned trait. That is not something that is born. And you know mm -hmm. what? And, and just to give a, a clarity to it is, gets back to my original message right here. You can be a person of color and still support white supremacy. And we see it in these politicians all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not just talking about the black Trump follower. I'm not talking about that guy. I mean, no, yeah, I, no. mean I am, but I'm not only talking about him. There are, that's too have, overt. Yeah, I mean, that, that's easy to say. Oh, yeah, look, at he's, he's, he's being tokenized. I mean, I, I saw black people standing up, uh, you know, for gun rights with all the NRA, uh, you know, nuts uh, in the wake of these two shootings. And that's not that a, a crowd that's ever embraced black people. They're just letting them stand there because they, it, it helps their cause. Not because they give a crap about him. Well, so diversity. I, yeah. So when, when I see, <laughs> and when I see these, these token gestures, so whether it's Joe Biden, you know, selecting Kamala Harris to be his vice president. Well, you know, she's not exactly, you know, uh, you know, a gal that, uh, that grew up with living the, the black experience, you know, the typical black experience of, of the United States. Her, her, her mother's Indian or, or uh, India, Indian or Asian. Her father's from the Bahamas or, you know, the, the Caribbean. Jamaica. Jamaica, okay, all right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, same with Barack Obama. Not exactly, you know, uh, you know, somebody who was raised in in that that overt situation that so many black people. So yeah, it's fine to say. Yeah, I'm not saying that they don't experience, you know, racism. I'm sure they have. I don't think you'd be a be a black person and not have experienced it at some level. But you don't have the intergenerational trauma. You don't have 500 years of that in your family 
you don't have your your the the slavery or the you know or the massacres that native people have in their in their legacy right you know and, and of course and we, we just came out of that the the memorial day uh weekend i also got to have to acknowledge this memorial day is about honoring soldiers who died in the line of duty well, I'm sorry, but some of those soldiers that are honored on Memorial Day were the ones who committed massacres. There are, there are still, and this is still an issue, there's actually a bill called Remove the Stain Bill that is an effort to rescind the Medals of Honor given to those guys who participated in the Wounded Knee Massacre. There, there, are, there were guys who died there. And they are honored on every more. So I know the whole narrative is, oh, we're honoring all those men who gave the ultimate sacrifice for freedom. You know what? All those guys wearing a U.S. Uh, um, uniform, we're not fighting for freedom. Some of them were snuffing the freedom out of others. And I think it's important that, that when you hear a Native person who does not get all, you know, enthusiastic about these militarized holidays that the United States mm -hmm. loves to... You know, their Veterans Day, their Flag Day, their Fourth of July, their Memorial Day, um, their Armistice Day. I mean, I don't know how many other holidays. There's, there's easily a half dozen holidays throughout the year that are, that are specifically meant to romanticize war. And, and I think it's important that people realize that, that there are plenty of um, Native people who, you know, who have been victimized by that war machine for the last, and, and I would argue that are still. I mean, look, we've had National Guard called on us. <laughs> we've, we've experienced some, some firsthand, you know, conflicts with, you know, with not only U.S., but Canadian military in, in modern times. I'm not talking about 100 years ago. Hmm. This is, so this is, this so, is the world that we live in. <laughs> so, John, uh, you know, there's something interesting you just brought up about the remove the stain, stain bill. Without getting too graphic, what do they refer to as the stain? Well, the stain is that that there are um, military enlisted men who were honored for the role they played in the Wounded Knee Massacre. So the stain is the stain of history. So mm. removing the stain is supposed to be about recent. Look, there's a monument, and this is a crazy part. There's a monument right here in Niagara Falls because one of the guys um, – who they got this little veterans, you know, uh, park area, and they got these big granites, and they, and one of the guys is is, you know, has his Purple Heart Medal of Honor or whatever it is, um, posted up on this granite pillar, um, that is, um, you know, and and it's all about his the role that he played in the in the Wounded Knee Massacre. It, I mean, in the story associated with this guy, actually talks about him shooting Native people in a ditch. And yet he was he was honored for that. He got him. He, he received the Medal of Honor for that. And so there's been an effort, an ongoing effort, and and even some of the folks here because of that monument, there's been an effort to to try to remove, uh, rescind those medals that were given to those guys. So that's what the remove the stain bill is. And I don't even know what the the status of it is. I know mm. a few people have been have pushed it, and but you know it's it, it's it's a low priority. You know one of the things that, yeah. that I have to say. Native people, we represent some of the highest percentages on all the things you don't want to be. You know, most people don't know this, but Native people are killed at a higher rate by cops mm -hmm. than any other group of people as a percentage of our population. The problem is that our population is so small that the total numbers are small. But as a percentage of our population, we are growing in the prison population. Yeah, the ratio. We, you know, we are growing, you know, we, we death by suicide. Before they even tracked child suicides they just wrote off all the native kids who killed themselves as as an anomaly because it was such a low number oh it's only native kids i mean even though it was a fairly big percentage of our population compared to anybody else now it's great you know now it's gaining more attention because other other children of other uh, other ethnicities and races are starting to ratchet that number up in, including including a, a spike in the number of black children who have committed suicide so mm. Our numbers are so small that we are easily dismissed and we are, we are ignored. And that, you know, that is a problem. I mean, and, and it's a big problem because it, it allows, 
um, a genocide to continue because it's almost imperceptible. I mean, when, we're, when you're such a small population in the first place, I mean, if a, if a half a dozen native women go missing, that um, on a given day, that doesn't, isn't even newsworthy. Mm. But let a, let a Gabby Patino turn up missing, and it's a story for months in the newspaper. Yep. I mean, and, and look, now, I mean, and I'm, I'm glad to see that the other people are, are finally getting some, some news coverage when some of these atrocities happen. I'm glad, you know, that Buffalo got the coverage that it got on this, this terrible atrocity. You know, and even though it, it in many ways got over, overshadowed by what happened in Uvalde. But, but again, it hasn't changed here. There's still, there's still a, a big conversation here. But you know what? You can't that's, dismiss that's all of the other forms of racism. And that, because therein lies the problem. Because if, you're not stopping, you're not even having a conversation to identify what creates these racial biases. I mean, and, you know, at some point, and, and this is my beef with Crystal People Stokes, if you would think that a person of color would understand what Native people have gone, gone through. I mean, I used to say this about Jewish people. I couldn't believe that Ruth Bader Ginsburg cited the doctrine of Christian mm. discovery right. you know, as, as, a, as a way to, to write off the Oneida's claim in the, city, in the Oneida versus the city of Cheryl. I mean, you would think that people who have a history of oppression in their, you know, in their previous generations would understand. But instead, it's like, I mean, I literally had, I had a Native woman tell me this once, that for us to use the word Holocaust or even genocide in describing what Native people have experienced is like, is like denying the, the Jewish Holocaust. I'm thinking, what? Wait, what? How could you even say that? And, I, it, and you know, so her, her view was that, that somehow that's theirs. And that, it, that if we try, and I'm not even comparing, but it's a word. I mean, Holocaust is something that, it's a, that I mean, it's, it, it is not necessarily, uh, you know, nobody, they didn't copyright it for their own purposes. I mean, I, I, look, I understand that, that the, the Jewish Holocaust has been very much commercialized. And I'm not even condemning oh, yeah. it, but it, it is what right. it is. But you know what? That doesn't mean that other people, I mean, Native people have experienced the longest ongoing system of genocide that the world has ever seen. And it wasn't even just one perpetrator. It was every nation in Europe. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and now to see a population that views themselves as having made it, like Crystal People Stokes, or you look, I also bring up the Buffalo Soldiers. People forget, right. yeah, the right. Buffalo Soldiers, yeah, they found a place in the military. Yeah, yeah killing Native people. You know, Bob Marley wasn't, wasn't praising the Buffalo Soldiers. If you listen to the words and you understand what he was saying, you know, he was talking about the idea of living in America. I mean, that, I mean it's, it's a little bit morose, but I don't think people get it. They think, oh, yeah, he's praising Buffalo Soldiers. No, nah, not really. I don't know. Uh, th it, it these are the things seems... that people just don't get. It, you know, and, and, and going back to what you were saying about that woman and, re, and her response about the, the Holocaust thing, you know, it's the same people that will, you know, and, and again, this is not a discountment, this is not a belittlement of, of an extermination of any type of people because it's horrible. But for those same people that talks about the six million Jews that, that was, was exterminated during that time, how many people actually say about the two and a half Romani people that died during that same time. The Roma, the Moors, the, 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 all right. these people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you, and the other thing is, let's not forget where Hitler got some of his ideas from. Uh, hello? <laughs> I mean, he wrote, this, in Mein Kampf, he, he specifically talked about the efficiency that the United States played, you know, or uh, uh, in what they did to the native people. And, and, and also noted that Jim Crow was an inspiration on how to build society. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, so a lot of people don't realize that. In fact, one of the biggest um, 
uh, one of the biggest things that Hitler was talking about as for the inspiration of Mein Kampf came from, of all people, Henry Ford's The International Jew. Yeah, yeah, and, and Henry Ford was a staunch supporter of, uh, of Hitler. No, I mean, and th mm -hmm. this is where, you know, I don't think people are, are prepared to take on some of the, the elite that, that frankly may have some of these, the, the same ancestry they have because, you know, I, I don't know if they just view them as, as having made it and maybe they're charting a path that they can follow. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of like poor white people identifying themselves with Trump. Like he has anything to do right. with, with, the, with you folks. I mean, right. but this is, I mean, this is the experience. And, and like I said, I, I, I look at Buffalo as a, a pretty, it's, it, as much as it is, it is a vibrant city, it is still very depressed. You know, everybody's mm. talking about the rebound and the rebuild of Buffalo. Look, the only monies that have gone back into Buffalo came from the Pagulas because of all of their building up their, their, the value of their sports franchises and the Seneca Nation. And the Seneca Nation gets disrespected every, at every turn. So, I mean, the fact that they're, that they're the second largest employer in Western New York, I mean, I think one of the fifth largest in the state, I mean, it's, it's, it's totally dismissed. You know, and, and, and there's never, you know, a, a sit-down. I mean, even as I listen to, to the NPR stations here in Buffalo and other places, um, I don't know how there's not a place for, for, for a Native voice in some of these discussions about racism. And yet we're still not there. We're still not there. Hey, look, folks, look, I want to ask you to, to support WBAI and WPFW um, I know I didn't do it at the beginning of the show, and maybe you know closing is a something a little di different. But uh, you know we are we're in the, in the midst of starting phase two of our uh, our tower fund pledge drive for WBAI. We have some of the the most expensive tower uh, radio tower fees of any of the Pacifica stations. Uh, so I ask you to go to the pledge line. Go to two one two two zero nine two nine five zero. That's two one two two zero nine. 2950, make a pledge uh, for our tower fund. Do it in the name of this radio, uh, this, this radio program. If you're in Washington and you're listening, uh, I ask you to support WPFW by going to their pledge line. That's 202-588-9739. Support the stations that, that, you know, that carry this program. I mean, I'm trying to have a conversation that you're probably not getting anywhere. When, when Reggie messages me before the show, he says, hey, what's going on? So I'm going to talk about black, white supremacists. And he says, what? Who? <laughs> you know, and, 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 and just to be clear, I know that they exist. <laughs> I was just like saying, who, who, who's, who's the individual this week? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> who put themselves in front of me on this one? But, you know, and again, I, I'm proud of the fact that the Senecas went there and, and confronted her. I mean, they didn't go there to confront her. They were basically just trying to tell some of these legislators that, you know, look, revenue sharing is done in New York State. And, you know, of course, they're not the ones they're going to negotiate with anyway, but I think they were just trying to, you know, prep them for it. But, uh, yeah, they were totally disrespected. And, and again, you would think if you were, if were going to consider anything in the wake of this tragedy in Buffalo, I mean, she should have been more embracing of, of other people of color. But instead, yeah, she was solidarity, like, no, no doubt, completely the other way. Just, to, mm. just dismissed the Senecas as having some sort of gall to bring even bring up racism after a shooting in Buffalo. Mm. I mean, it's mm. it's mm. insane. All right, folks, that's the show. I want to thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. This is John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio. Yahweh.